0: Church? No,
1: it's your turn. So each Ajax. of the first four Wednesdays, different classes. I see right I hope you get to a yeah. suit yeah. exactly you know. of two. I imagine that each class they is they there are four years oh. of classes. So there are four that
2: years. That was an education. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. The first ones start. Tom always wants to go to a market in the because You mean, because he the beginning of the so actual class, the September. so true. As well as so learn new things. One Saturday a month. Oh, and then one Wednesday. Yeah, one yeah. One seven. Seven. yeah. Seven
1: First Wednesday is that class. And so the second, but after the first You're year, there's no Saturday, there's just
0: a week. You have to go to the Saturday market flowers. Absolutely
3: have to We can't be in class. to no, 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 no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right, here we are, we're at 10.30. <laughs> See, there is an example. Oh,
1: about, yeah. No, you absolutely <laughs> cannot do this Wednesdays if, if you can't do the that. Mean, a Saturday, and one right. Saturday, month, one Wednesday, way you, can. you oh,
2: can't. Oh, once, once a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I,
1: I thought so. you might have been Saturday. All right, <laughs> let us pray. Blessed Lord, whose caused all holy scriptures, be written for our learning. Grant who may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which has given us in our Savior Jesus Christ. Yeah. I couldn't remember the exact verse we left off on. Yeah. Uh, you were
2: going to write it down. You did write it down. Did write it down? Yep, you did. Right. I remember uh, you saying, uh, I'm going to write this down.
1: 116. Right. You remembered that I wrote
3: it down. <laughs> I didn't remember the verse. I remember that I wrote it down. Exactly. So, okay. So, yeah. All right. So, yep. um, all
1: right. <laughs> so we are um, roaming our way through First Peter, and again, this is written to the what, you know, sort of, it's a general letter to the dispersed tribe, which means it's it, it was written to people in, in a number of different places. Um, and the notable theme that we, we talked about is that it, it picks up a lot of Old Testament allusions, and so we'll continue to, to pick up on those as we go through it uh, today. We left off last time with the exhortation um, to, to be holy, um, because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. This is right out of the Old Testament. So again, what Peter's doing, to be clear about what how we understand this, this language, is that he is fully transferring to the church all the promises of the covenant that pertain to Israel in the Old Testament, seeing the church as the heir of those promises, the new covenant people, the people of the fulfilled covenant. So, so that, that's an important aspect of this. So we're starting on, um, oh, you ended at 115, is that right? We did. Okay, so I didn't actually say that. Maybe, that, maybe I don't know why I didn't say that, because we didn't look at that, did we? We didn't look at those verses. Um, all right.
2: Tied together, yeah.
1: Yeah, tied. So, um, the, the, uh, just to be clear about that, to, to augment that, be holy, you can look at, um. Leviticus uh, chapter 11, verse 44,
0: Um, what's interesting about Leviticus chapter 11,
1: verse 44, um, which says, For I am the Lord your God, who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. If you look at, that's 44, verse 44 of Leviticus, if you look at all the verses of that chapter that precedes it, it mostly deals with um, the holiness code of what's clean, what's not clean, external holiness code. And so, one of the, the emphases that now that Peter will have is that the holiness in the new covenant is an interior phenomenon. An interior cleansing is, <clears throat> is fulfilled. The exterior cleansing um, examples of the old covenant. So holiness has reached a new level. It, it's been fulfilled because, and this is a, you know, a, a more broad New Testament teaching that the Old Testament rituals that made things clean didn't really make things clean. They, they were. Dietary and outward, they might have kept you from getting a few diseases and things like that, but they didn't change hearts. And so Jesus talks about this himself, that with the Pharisees, that outwardly they do these things, but inwardly they are full of these things. So Peter's talking about holiness. Be holy now is, yes, holy in outward conduct, but rooted in the Holy Spirit in the heart that, that, that starts with the purity of intention. And then also issues forth an impurity of action. Um, There's also a significant verse which is um, Exodus 19. uh, We go back to Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus 19, verses 5 and 6, um, where. He says uh, to, to where, where uh, God says to Moses, now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all my people for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, and this is a, the theme of priesthood is something that Peter's also going to develop in his epistle because he's going to talk about us being a holy nation, a royal priesthood, and the logic of this is he because he says, if you will um, indate, obey my voice and keep my covenant. So what we know in the New Testament is that Jesus, as the Messiah, is the one who who fulfilled the covenant by hearing his voice and being faithful to the covenant. Now we live in Christ. This is kind of the image, the implications of last Sunday's lesson, which we also had today, um, baptized into him and receiving the Spirit. And when we live this life or prayer in the Spirit, we can begin to inwardly fulfill the requirements of the covenant, which is to love, to love God, to love others. And that has more specific behavioral implications, but the righteousness, the holiness is rooted in Christ, and only in as much as we stay in connection with him through our prayer and the ongoing work of the spirit within us will we be able to live in this covenant relationship and be holy. Holy is not a self-help project. It's a work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts that that we must definitely must stay connected to our prayer, and we're not going to always love. So we need ongoing forgiveness. So the disposition of repentance and faith, but 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 the Holy Spirit's working within us in that, and so we're, we're holy because He's doing that work in us. And so those are a couple of vocations that Peter's getting at here when he talks about. Um, be holy, for I am holy.
0: So verse
1: 17. <laughs> and if um, you and call upon the father who without partiality judges according to each one's work. Conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Now, it's interesting what each one's work. This is something that is really confusing in the New Testament if we don't really understand what's being said. He judges without partiality according to each one's work. <clears throat> um,
0: of course, we know that the
1: salvation comes by faith and not by works. How do we reconcile that with the statement here that God the Father um, judges each one according to our works? <clears throat> and even um, Revelation says, you know, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, uh, even so for they rest from the lake. And their works follow them. So how do we reconcile and we're not saved by works by faith, but we'll be judged by our works.
2: And to much that has been given, much will be asked, you know? Like, that's but, another... Okay,
1: so, but what if you just can't do it? Because if you can't be saved by works...
2: You're not saved by them.
1: you but... be judged by them.
2: Right? <laughs> well, Jesus was our propitiation. Like, Jesus did all of the works fully, so he did them all fully. But we're meant then, now that we have Christ in us, to do likewise, produce fruit, the fruit of the Spirit that's okay. in us.
1: Okay, so let's follow that a little bit. So the fruit of the Spirit, how
0: does that relate to work?
2: Pretty
1: directly, I would guess. Speak. <laughs> means- I'm going to make you all talk yourself. Yeah,
3: Speak. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So out of our hearts produces fruit. So it's how you do the work. Okay. So based on salvation that God has given to us. So that fruit of the spirit
0: seems to um,
1: bring some kind of reward with it. (coughs) Well, it does, yeah. So, whereas, um, work in the natural level, the, 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 um, and maybe we can make a couple contrasts here that are new Testament, you know, whether it be talking about life in Adam is a thing that, uh, say Paul talks about in Corinthians versus being in Christ mm-hmm. that, that by nature, our lives have, have an essential affinity with Adam and sin. Mm-hmm. And so, this deals with the futility of, of of ourselves apart from Christ, as we can try and try, but we can't
0: accomplish the will of God. Mm-hmm. So, how does
1: that change now in Christ? We get the Spirit.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, how, what what's the difference about the concept of labor in Adam and in Christ then?
2: Well, as we um, humble ourselves and apply ourselves to the gift of the Holy Spirit within us, we do this, but we make progress in the works that are evidence of the faith that we have. And, you know, coming from Missouri, (laughs) it's the show me state, so you look at the evidence of, of people's behavior, you know, you You're taught not to listen to their words as much as you pay attention to their behaviors and their behaviors as the scripture tells us you will know them by their fruit,
3: yeah
2: people's behaviors reveal much more about the state of their heart than words can sometimes, but it is an ongoing i think as we as we uh trust and obey as we listen as we pray and as we work then our works are refined Hope you know as we progress and they do have a, a long lasting reward in the lives of others and on beyond
1: and then <laughs> the, the, the key here is that because of the spirit okay we talk about in adam means in in what the new testament i think we refer to as the flesh which means life cut off from God because the death that Adam died was the severing of the spiritual bond of union with God. Now he labors in the flesh, in that futility of the flesh. But in the New Testament, because we've been reconnected to God in Christ through the spirit, we're brought to life. This is the whole resurrection language of the New Testament. And baptism, just pay attention to the baptismal liturgies when we have them. Um, Grand us, John, we die to sin, rise to newness of life, so that there's a new life that comes to us. And in that, in that life, we can do fruitful things. And if you think about this, um, it, a lot of it pertains, if we can just bring the analogy back to the garden, um, Adam and Eve, before the fall, they were working, but no one thought about it as, what's my reward for the work? I mean, they worked and trees grew and fruit came, and they ate the fruit. They didn't think of it in courtroom terms. Yeah, you just, we do this, Our lab- their labor was fruitful. It earned a reward, but they were already in communion with God. It was just, yeah, you can, you can build on that relationship. You can be like, in the image of God, creators, <clears> to <throat> build things. So now, being restored to Christ, if we think ourselves positionally as, the, as sort of restored as Adam Eve were before the fall, now we do labor that can bear fruit. It's not strictly speaking a reward in the sense that we're um, we're already in the kingdom. If you weren't in the kingdom in Christ through the Spirit, you couldn't do anything fruitful. But now you can labor in God and do things. It doesn't mean that you never do anything bad. It just means you can do things that bear fruit, and God can say, "Yeah, this is this." As I think, as Diane rightly pointed out, this, this, these things you're doing, you know, bear witness to the life that's in you and produce these things, and you get to keep what the what. Just like if you grow a tree, you get to get the bucket of apples. So, as you labor in the Spirit, you, you get to keep that which is <coughs> in the Spirit. And this is where, like Jesus says, lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, for moth and rust that corrupt with ease, like break, and steel, lay up for <laughs> yourself treasures in heaven. And and so, what it means that in Adam, none of that labor lasts. So, so that it doesn't. At the Judgment Day, it's not, this, and that goes where people really, really misunderstand the gospel, probably the principal misunderstanding, mm-hmm. this idea you can go to Judgment Day and they're going to, oh, you just do more good and bad, you get to be saved. You're either saved or not saved. You're either in Christ or not in Christ. Mm-hmm. And what would be revealed on Judgment Day is that fundamental reality of being, and then if your fundamental reality of being is separation from Christ, your labor will be shown to be fruitless. If, if you're fundamentally connected, your label, the fruit will be, or even as St. Paul suggests in Corinthians, you may be in Christ, but uh, you may have built some stuff on wood, hay, or straw on the day of the claret, and then you'll be saved as through fire because the works are burnt up, because though you had this life in Christ, you didn't build on it in the kingdom, you built on it in the world. Mm-hmm. So... Just remember, it's the fundamental principle of life we're living in, <clears throat> living in the kingdom, living life with prayer in the spirit, receiving life from Christ in the sacrament, which then produces things. And so uh, there should be a harmony of that. So this, this is how we understand it. It's, it's, it's not, um, so, so judges each according to one's work, that, that what you've done bears witness to your life.
2: And this morning in Proverbs 8, she said, uh, my fruit is better than gold, than pure gold. Mm -hmm. Lady Wisdom was saying
1: that. So you can have, have two people, one not living in Christ and one that
2: does live in Christ. They can do exactly the same type of work. One will be
0: rewarded and the other will not.
1: Well, again, I, I, just, I just think it's helpful to understand, because I, I, I think what the, the problem with most conceptions of this, it, it positions God on the throne, arbitrarily separating the world into sheep and goats at the last day. Okay. So understand that, that sin, in, in the biblical narrative, you can reject the biblical narrative, but it, to me it explains it better than anything else, um, separated humanity from God. In Adam all die. God's covenant has always intended to, to, to reconcile. God's always working to bring people back. And in Christ he, he, he came to fulfill the covenant and save the world. So he says, Come, repent, believe. What was revealed on the last day is who has who has faith? Who has repented? Who, who has turned from the former way of life in Adam? Who's put their faith in the Son of God? Who has life? And God's just, it's just a revelation because the world is deceptive. We don't really see things as they are. A lot of things that look really impressive and showy in the light of day, it's like, oh, that was just a temporal thing that's going kind to of crumble. And a lot of things that look not very impressive, poor, are going to be shown to be glorious. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's why eyes of faith begin to discern between the visibly impressive wealth and success of the world and the authentic fruit of love and authentic good works oriented in Christ that reflect the kingdom. And you know, we don't all we can't always know, that's so why we don't go around judging people's work. Well, you didn't really do that. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. We're not, yeah. and and but it's it's just a positional reality that in Adam the world is separate. From. God wants people to come to life, but it requires repentance and a reorientation of one's life around God and the kingdom. And a lot of times we. We kind of reduce God to sort of a consumer, you know, in our culture consumer. God's the one who's another dispenser of consumer products that we get. And but we're all assumed that. And, and but maybe maybe more pointedly, um, the preeminent modern heresy, and modern would be the last couple hundred years, anything from the Enlightenment period till the present. The preeminent modern heresy is the denial of original sin, denial of sin. The denial of the, of the essential separation of humanity from God, which is why the concept of judgment and separation is so hard for moderns to accept, because we assume everyone's basically good, even though all the visible evidence suggests otherwise. <laughs> yeah, <I don't laughs> um, and so so when God then ends up as the one who's taking perfectly good people and casting <laughs> him, whereas whereas the Bible presents we're stuck in sin, and it's God who's rescuing us from that. So that's what we have to understand by being judged. by. It's a revelation of the true nature of our being. And that's what we'll see the last day. Yeah. Any, any questions, thoughts about that? Feel free to, now that we're inside, people online can participate much more fully, because um, we can hear you, and you can hear us, and so feel
0: free to chime in. Um,
1: so, you call him God the Father, who without partiality judges each according to one's work. Conduct yourself to the time of your stay here in fear. And this, again, picks up on that um, pilgrimage theme. I think God wants us to be
0: afraid all the
1: time, do you? Um, holy fear is a virtue that you that we pray for in confirmation of the seven gifts of the spirit that we pray for the Septuagint version of Isaiah. Mm-hmm. The last is and, and fill them below the spirit of thy holy fear. So, holy reverence, uh, gets back to what you talked about when mm-hmm. you talked about respect for authority and you know, we, in our pre Bible study talk. Mm-hmm. God wants us to have a healthy reverence for him because if we don't. Will presume and sin. Mm-hmm. Moses, take off your feet. You're standing mm-hmm. on holy ground. Don't just act like this is any old mountain. No, you're here. And and when Israel approached um, Mount Sinai, God descended with lightnings and thunders, and they're all saying, "Don't, you know, Moses, you talk to us. Don't let him talk to us. We can't handle that." Now, in Christ, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And God has become closer to us, intimate with us. Emmanuel, God is with us, but He's not any less holy. And this is this is picked up probably best, maybe as a as a contrast by Saint John, who is the one who le- leans on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper. But then John, we understand him as the author of Revelation, who's the church historically does. And John has a vision on the Lord's Day where he sees the risen and glorified Christ. Oh. Mm. And 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 Jesus says, Don't be afraid. He's the same but but that's and to to be aware of that, um, to be aware of the the um, and it's not I guess how would I, how would I maybe to me it's a more organic reality because you're you're touching on something it's not like um, like you know, The Wizard of Oz, where, <clears throat> you know, at the end, when he's about ready to be exposed, you know, he talks to a lot of boys, so they'll be afraid. It's that the reality of God's presence is literally awesome. So, holy fear sees that rightly and goes, oh. And, and that, then, is a the motive that, oh. And that files through all of Christian moralities, who have love God. Our, our duty of worship is preem- preeminent. That's way more important than whatever else we might think in the world. And if we didn't have the holy freak, oh, wow, well, this God, you know, it's like, no, this is important. And then also, it becomes over into ordinary morality because Jesus said, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least these my brethren, you did it to me. So if we begin to see, oh, there's this God. And then we each bear this image. That's all of a sudden the reverence for each other, mm-hmm. and that's the basis of all morality. Oh, not only do I not sin because I don't want personal guilt, but I don't have the right to treat the image of God this way. Mm-hmm. And if I do, I'll be held accountable for it. That's why we observe. So, so that's the fear is like is that. And I think um, sometimes joyful
2: in that fear because we're told to be joyful. So, can you be joyful in that
3: fear?
1: Joy and, and holy fear. This is not like phobic in the way that our culture throws that word around as a hyphenated ending of, <laughs> of, of many things. We're not, not dreadfully funny. afraid. We're um, worshipfully reverent and grateful. But it does have a certain reverence to it. That And this is, you know, there's, there's, there's kind of a balance here. Let's just admit it. Um there's there was a book um what's the name? Um the name of it, but it, it talks about um, um oh I and thou this book about approaching God, there's always this paradoxical tension between the draw to come and then uh, oh oh and the church in 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 various times overemphasizes sort of one or the other Now, I'd say if, if you looked at at the um, even the evangelical movement in our culture, it was largely a reaction against a church where God was other, so holy you couldn't touch it, guilt predominated, you know and it was afraid, and so the idea that the, the, the renewal of yeah Jesus, we can know him but then it, it, it may have swung in yeah. the pendulum a little too far the other direction now. Jesus my good buddy and just hanging out and, and a beer. you know, yeah. is, is um, as, as somebody, yeah. I remember Bob bumper sticker said, uh, somebody had come to the bumper sticker that says, God is my co-pilot. He said, you probably ought to switch seats. Yeah, I love that. But, so, and we, in our tradition, which which emphasizes the reverence in worship, it's always a balance, but we're reverent, but we come up, and this body's given for me, mm-hmm. so this holy god and the, the the reality of worship captures both those elements, mm-hmm. so um yeah, holy fear, but look at that in your confirmation liturgy because we pray for it mm-hmm. uh holy fear that's a the seventh of the of the <clears throat> gifts of the spirit conveyed in
0: confirmation Great respect. um.
1: So your stay is your sojourn, your pilgrimage, and that's essential to the to living of the Christian life in the right way, is this is not our destiny. And almost all the, um, the preeminent 20th century failure of the church it, is that it became true at home here. And, and now even the mm-hmm. problem with excessive activism is it pretends this here is perfectible. Mm-hmm. It's not perfectible. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be upset with injustice or or act or witness or for the good against the evil. But the minute we think we're gonna, you know, when I when I hear things like we're gonna end world hunger, yeah. like Jesus said the poor you know, always have with you. So you probably that's that gets into a the modern heresy and really it it really has is has come out of the modern secular perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, If you want to read um, in depth about this, there's a Canadian philosopher um, who wrote a book called The Secular Age, and um, he pursues the question of how we went from a world around 1500, where it was impossible not to believe in God, to a world around 2000, where it's impossible to believe in God. But he chronicles now, and we... We're almost not even aware of it as Christians, why Christianity requires such a commitment to see things through the lens of the kingdom. But, but the, the, the preeminent characteristic of the secular age we live in is that everything is seen in temporal terms. And the highest human good is seen as what he calls ordinary human flourishing. So all we're aiming for is economic prosperity, food, Everyone's comfortable. There's no sense of a higher meaning of life, a way that, that, that suffering has some higher meaning. And we're so used to thinking that. If you think about this now, even our culture, I, I just would challenge us, it, these are nuanced questions, but the, the main way this comes out is everything in our culture is assessed in economic terms. Everything. Whether it be our, our visions of equality or whatever, they're going to be measured economically. And yet we already know from the perspective <clears throat> of faith that money doesn't make people contented or virtuous or save them. But that's or will lives in that. Everything is governed by that. From the minute you turn, I, I don't watch as much of anyone turning any kind of news on is what's happened to the stock market, it's up and down. Like there's the idea that if it's up, you should feel a lot better today because there's there's yeah. prosperity, and even and even when they celebrate it like I'm a I'm kind of a, a sports fan. this is you know this is growing and prospering. It's like well, so people own these things and make a ton of money, and we're all going to pay more for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bigger economic growth, and even thinking about some of the items of our age, like economic <laughs> progress, you know, we want so much for per year. You realize, of course, that whether it was an individual company or a country, indefinite exponential growth is literally possible.
0: So, I'm just
1: telling, all I'm saying is, the way the world assesses itself in the secular age, we look at it differently through the lens of the kingdom. We know this world is passing. We're on a sojourn here. We live in it. It doesn't mean we don't have to deal with these realities or save money or anything like that it does mean that those aren't ultimate things for us. And it's more important to um, live in fear of God, to, to fulfill the commandment to love God, do our worship, uh, and to love others for our behavior than it is to be merely successful. No, that doesn't mean you can't do well, and you're you know, not saying anything like that. It's just a matter of relative priority.
2: But people also in this age are looking for a form of spirituality. You know, and so it's like a it gets confusing because it doesn't look like they're running up are They also want to be fulfilled spiritually, so they're pretending to have some sort of spiritual feeling. That well, I, I think
1: that you know, because the human, you know, because we are spiritual beings yeah. and have a hunger for something that we know, yeah, the merely physical can't fulfill, there's yeah. always a hunger for that. The yeah. temptation. At, for humans is to seek it in in ways that avoid the real problem. So this is why the the ancient, excuse me, the ancient heresy of the church, the earliest heresy was Gnosticism, which which means you're saved by knowledge, by, by secret knowledge. This skips the reality of sin, that we have to die to sin, you have to repent, you have to have experience moral transformation. And you'll see in the spiritualities that um that are more popular, especially they become more popular, especially in prosperous Western cultures where you you just have the secret knowledge of God, you're spiritual, which you're not religious, which is silly. Because yeah. I think Diane said is if you're spiritual, it will show in your practice of religion in some way. That if you don't, if if what you believe in doesn't have some manifestation, and it does have a manifestation, Mm -hmm. but so, so, um, the primary thing that that, that the, um, the gospel confronts that the only way uh, to reconnect with God is is by dealing with the reality of sin Mm -hmm. that has separated us from God, and that. It proclaims that Jesus Christ the Son of God has dealt with that reality of sin once and for all and we come we can come to the Father through him which also permissively says that but also then says apart from him there's always going to be some distance and false religion always tries to skirt the reality of, of his death for sin and also our need to die with him so that characterizes our age. You'll notice that um, because our age, did not, mo- the modern world has tended to deny the reality of original sin, presume everyone's good and going to be saved, makes God the one who's, it, is that um, the cross has diminished in its centrality in Christian preaching. It's, you would see it actually in the evangelical movement, because the, the early evangelical preachers were really all about it. The blood, the cross, mm-hmm. the repentance. And then we've morphed into churches where they'll purposely remove references to the cross and blood and any image of a cross in church, you know, it's going to be nice and 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 the problem with that is, you know, <laughs> the logic of of you know wanting not people to be off put. The problem is that the cross is off putting. It's <laughs> why we come to church and go, whoa. Yeah. That's right. That's why Good Friday is so weighty because, of, oh, yeah, this had to happen. And I did that. Mm-hmm. And I need to, it, it confronts you. But mm-hmm. if you don't have that, you can develop a religion where well, we just bear some good people and they're trying all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I have my friend that I gave up on quite a while ago always
2: says, well, if, it it doesn't hurt anybody. A, it doesn't help anybody either. It's
1: yeah, but I mean, but again, it it, it, it and this is one of the, the problem with preaching the gospel in our age is nobody feels the sting of sin. No, I don't, don't know what I do. But nobody feels the sting of sin when you have mm-hmm. enough painkillers to shield yourself from the sting of sin. That's where the problem is for our culture. Mm-hmm. And And actually, the funny thing is, behind the cover of the painkillers, It's there everywhere. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: It's just, you know, what we have around us in the world (laughs) is a facade, there's no less pain inside the walls. Mm -hmm. But, so we don't have any further. Okay, Uh, uh. so so, so, you're sojourn, you're passing through. Knowing that you are not redeemed, verse 18, with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. And this is really speaking to the, the Jewish Christians then who who's, um, were inheritors of the pharisaical tradition, which didn't fulfill the law, but now they've come to Christ who has. And that's a, the aimless conduct would be external purity rules which didn't really connect you to God. But with the precious blood of Christ, as the lamb without blemish, without spot. Now, again, we're dealing here with where does that whole idea of a lamb without blemish, without spot, without spot, come from in the scriptures? Revelation. <laughs> in the Old Testament.
2: Oh, in the Old Testament. In the sacrificial lamb that they sacrificed for it. A- Levitical
3: law.
1: Levitical law, and certainly at the Passover, principally too, right, when every family was supposed to offer a lamb, it had to be a lamb without blemish. Now this is again. Notice the contrast: exteriorly without the lamb. Which we don't know if the lamb's heart was pure, or not, but it's just without <laughs> <laughs> um, disease or not. So, so Christ is the Lamb of God who um, who is pure throughout. And this we're saying: you're not redeemed before you participated in a Passover where there's blood you you kill a lamb and you you sprinkle the blood, you know, on your house. And that didn't, now, now you've been, you've not, not, that was an external thing. Now you've been ordained um, by the precious blood, which is an internal reality. Verse 20, he was foreordained for the foundation of the world. <clears throat> so this was God's plan from the
0: beginning. And there's a whole mystery to that. yes.
3: <laughs>
1: but it does tell us that, um, and, and you have to accept the paradoxical reality that God created people with freedom, that they freely choose to sin, but that God knew ahead of time that need and foreordained his son to come and save people from their sin in such a way that the freedom that people have to, to choose sin does not cancel out the sovereignty of God who still remains in control. And I guess the main thing that that particular thing says foreordained means God is sovereign. It's not like,
0: oh gosh, you made a mistake, what are we going to do now? <clears throat> it was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but manifested
1: in these last times for you. Who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead, and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Now for you has a very um,
0: chosen emphasis.
1: Israel's God's chosen people, but if you now know Christ, because you, you've been given the gift of faith, now he was revealed for you. He's not revealed for everybody because not everybody sees him. Not everyone saw Easter. Certain people saw Easter. And this, again, is highlights, again, the the, the parallelism with Israel's God's chosen people.
0: That your faith and hope are in God. Verse 22, since you have purified your souls in
1: obeying the truth of the spirit. Now notice there, purified your souls. What we need is a moral transformation.
0: Rooted in repentance and
1: faith. We don't need an esoteric knowledge of God that doesn't, that, that, because we, and that's what he's talking there. Purified your souls. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives, um, gives us the grace of forgiveness to bring us in communion with God, and then begins to work to purify our motives as not
0: only to work in our heart. And
1: verse 2 says, Therefore, obeying the truth of the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, So, again, your concrete, your, your, uh, I should say that the the sort of uh, theological understanding that the Holy Spirit purifies our hearts results in the tangible, now we love each other, and the evidence that this is... That those exist in our hearts is that we are about that business of love. We should note here that this is a messy business, like all family businesses. It's hard to love in community. And so what it means is that you, you don't run away from that hard task. That when you see that you, you 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 make the effort to love a difficult person, you make the effort that when you have perhaps acted not as you ought to act, you admit it, and because the the community of the body of Christ and its well-being is more important than just my personal well-being. So therefore I'm willing to give of myself for the good of others in the body so that they may be saved. Um, there's, you know, Of course, we don't um, become manipulated by those who won't obey and and demand a bunch of attention. There's this a whole nuanced conversation about what love looks like. I'm only positing that it's difficult. Mm-hmm. And and that our the reality of our of our being in Christ in the Spirit will be evidenced by the fact that we take up that work. And when we run away from that work. It's interesting, you know, a lot of people talk about the church, full oh, fool, all these hypocrites, you know, it's, yeah. Room for one more. <laughs> Come on in. And and but that that we're willing to stay in that community, and and try to love the people we hire. That is the work of the Spirit. And then as you and, and why? Because it also will, It's also how, you know, we have this animosity. People are angry, and when you start praying, realize, oh, yeah, I guess I maybe this issue is not so much with Joe over there. Maybe it's like me. Maybe I have an expectation or a need that I need to look at. And that's how so only when you stay in relation with people is, are your own faulty motives exposed. If you can the, the religion, this is why the Gnostic religion tends to be very individualistic. I mean I'm sure I gotta sit my chair. No one challenges you there. <laughs> if you can love exactly the way you want to love, send checks to third world countries to fund it, you're great you know, but put yourself, you know, can you love somebody the way Christ loved us, which is to die for people who crucified him.
0: So, love one another fervently with a pure heart. That you love one another as I have loved you remains preeminent. Having been born again not of
1: corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. That is not of temporal, not of things that, that, that die. Like, um, if you plant the seed of a corn of a in the ground, it will grow, but that stock's going to die. The seed of the spirit planted in our heart, is never going to, that's what it means to have eternal life. You have a life growing in you that has no death. That's what it means to be saved from death. You're born again in death. That's life that's growing, and it, we still have this contrary principle of the flesh that's being put to death as the spirit is growing. So, it's that, this is the work of, of being born again, is to cultivate that life in Christ and grow in that and die more and more to the contrary principles and impulses of, of the flesh in Adam. Because we were born again of of incorruptible seed through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. That's a very significant um, thing to um, highlight there, because he's contrary to just the nature of the world we live in, Everything we see here is going to die, and and the fact that we go through cycles of nature every year, where things bloom and die, bloom and die, eventually leading to, is contrasted where the spirit is planted. There are things that are are beginning to grow, and the bloom that that it brings is not going to die. That gets back to our initial conversation about works that endure, and. The word of the Lord endures forever. Jesus says this, you know, uh, heaven and earth will pass away. My words will not pass away. When we hold on to the promise of God, we hold on to something. It's literally impossible for God to lie. That's true. But what any other person may say in the world, in a political campaign or
3: something.
1: Not so much. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you, and that's the apostolic testimony that Peter was bringing. He's the apostle. Here, here this is. If you hold this, this is you are now, um, you are now the chosen people living the promises of God. Let's uh, then jump into chapter two. Therefore, laying aside all malice. All deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking.
0: Sit in your prayer for a while. Any malice in there? <laughs> Any way I'm trying to be, pretend I'm something I'm not?
1: <laughs> Have I spoken evil of anybody? You say, well, maybe the gospel is true.
3: <laughs> <laughs> There's two
1: things about sins of speech is, one is speaking falsely, false witness and then they're speaking unkind truth that does not edify. And that's the hard, the second one is harder to hold on to sometimes. It's like... Now, I will say this about about ourselves. I think uh, we have to be careful how we speak about people, um, and you know, especially out of love and charity. Sometimes we need good friends with whom we can vent. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean a lack of charity it means, God, I you know we know after we vent and kind of commiserate we're getting a lot in love again, but somebody just need to express it, but discretion is that's that's sort of a, a spiritual friendship we can be brutally honest it's not what you vent to everybody and 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 it's, <clears throat> and the, the sort of expression of that is um. Grounded in the understanding that this is your frustration is not going to dissuade you from the task of trying to go love again,
3: and
1: that's because somewhere somebody is saying that about us,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and we don't want them to give up on us either. <laughs> 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 and, and maybe our Lord in heaven is saying,
3: Oh, God,
1: did you see him today? <laughs> and, and he's not going to give up on us, so, so that's what we want.
2: Bishop, don't you think, too, we have a safe person that's not going to go back and talk about that? When we vent to them, sometimes they can reframe it for us as well. Like, well, have that's you... That's right. It's saying... That's a
0: question. Yeah. That's right. That's I a good point. <laughs> I think that's... Uh, <clears throat> I, I do think that that's, you know, um, because... The framework of spiritual life I've
1: touched on here a little bit, but um, we have what's called in our lives, you know, sort of reactive emotionality, we're triggered. And um, if we understand that that triggered emotionality that swirls around us daily and sometimes activated, um, it's not truly us. There's a, you know, at the core in Christ, we're, but it, it is a part of us. And we can get distracted from it, especially when we're in environments that are triggering. When we return to our prayer, <clears throat> excuse me um, and the presence of trusted others can be an extension of our prayer because they can be a witness of God for us where it's safe. and we start talking about it, we not only get express that emotionality, we can also realize, oh yeah, the way I process emotionality might not have been so good. I'll share something this morning by way of confession. So I did two things
0: yesterday. Um, <laughs> um,
1: I couldn't believe the gauntlet of security. So I had a credit card that had a charge on it from, from the diocese that needed that wasn't so fraudulent, so I got a new card. I got the card in the mail, so I called to Activate It. I, I had to go through three steps. The first person couldn't do it. Then they went, they had to get me a code. I sent them the code. Then they wanted my this codes. and that. It took me 20, 30 minutes to to get the card thing. So I was pretty patient then. Then, well, I, I, need to, then I needed it's some patient. checks. I needed some checks for my discretion. I was out, so okay, I got to get some. So I called, yes, there were some checks, and that was a whole nother gauntlet. But finally, okay, fine, got the checks, and she didn't get them cheaper. I just wanted the checks, just send them. Yeah. So I'm going there. We're at a church this morning and the call comes in from the bank. Oh, hello, yeah. You sure you want the checks? Yeah, I want the checks. Yeah, can I get the last four digits you're counting? I said, oh. I want to do the checks to. I, I was like, <laughs> what I'm saying is I got a little bit impatient on the phone call with this guy with whom I spent 20 minutes yesterday. Yes. Because, but it's like, and then I, I got off and then I said, so like, it was just like, wow, my. but, but then I kind of hung up and God. But I, I got triggered in that space of impatience, of and that happens to us. When we calm down, you realize uh, that sometimes can be worse. We can do worse things with that. I certainly have done worse things with that. That's triggered emotionality. You're in a kind of heightened state, and it might be also something else in your life has happened. Maybe you left home with a little bit of conflict. Now everything's... And so returning to your prayer... That's where you will just expose, oh yeah, and that's where the good confession comes from. And, but but the awareness that this, in our prayer, I want to grow in, is that this emotion out of this us is not us. And to see, oh, see yes, okay, I see that. You want to get the ability to see yourself doing that. And sometimes you, for, you forget and you just instinctively react. Mm-hmm. So anyway.
2: It's when they say, well, give me your PIN number.
1: I've already. Given well, he it was asking He me, "What's your code?" I said, "I don't have any idea. I, I never <laughs> used the code. I just want." To... I
2: don't have a pen. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: So it's it's uh, anyway, so that's that was it was a, a particularly <laughs> Shiny moment. Well, well <laughs> it, was, it was just the, the gauntlet of security for like was a, to validate a credit card. You sent me, told totally me to call this number. So how, how did you end up with
2: her? Did you get your check, Shen? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, she I, I gave her last <laughs> review. She was happy then. Okay, she was happy. I know she was happy, right? <laughs> if I saw her I might call her and say, hey, listen, that is not a little more patient but, uh, okay.
0: So evil
1: speaking. Uh, envy evil envy is the way we look at others and You know, first of all, we we, we envy, we're jealous of their person. And then envy goes into, we wish them harm. Because we want them to be (laughs) brought down and us to to ascend. That's where envy goes. So this is what we're supposed to put away from ourselves. Um, Matt, all those kind of things. As newborn babes. And those, so what the Holy Spirit causes us to be born anew. And um, we become infants again. Um, Martin Thornton has a, a quote in his book, uh, I think it's Christian Proficiency, where he says that
0: the, 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 the spiritual maturity
1: of even the, the sort of uh, faithful, average, good churchman is, is that of a small child. <laughs> that that yeah and this is what you get in church sometimes you get people who are very advanced in the world but spiritually they're very immature. We're, but we all have some immaturity and newborn babes means Jesus said this unless you become as little children you can't enter the kingdom of heaven you have to you have to look at yourself honestly again and realize that to grow against these things you have to be willing to honestly assess what's really in there receive the word. And part of the the thing here is the the ability to be what I call self-critical without being self-condemning. That's hard. The reason we we try to do that is because we we really can't handle the fact that that really is what we did. (laughs) But eventually it will come to us. But so part of this, this, the life of prayer is rooted in the ability to see what's really there and part of the grace of God is he only reveals it in layers mm. and so to let us get a little bit further down the road for less more be known it's also why in the spiritual life sometimes it seems that after you've grown a lot you've actually regressed mm. it's not really that it's that you start with looking at surface things you know uh, Obvious visible sins. And as you go along, the light comes to shine more on motives and intentions. And then the lack of love. It's like I didn't. So initially you felt guilty because you were you were guilty because you did this sinful thing. And then eventually you realize I didn't really love God or my neighbor. And the more that light is shined. So it's always the, the balance of grace because that light shines in the context of grace, just as human beings with their children, if they're going to confront or they're, they're going to do it in the embrace, at least good parents. Some parents say, you're, you know, don't, don't do that so well, but uh, a good human parent is the foundation of relationship that allows me to confront. So God, we grow in this and he'll let us know more. And that's why we'll gain, as we go on, humility. Because he'll show us more. And we'll think, oh. we just have to make sure we don't get
0: discouraged. Okay.
1: Um, he says, desire the, the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. Um,
0: and that's a psalm. Let me
1: find that. piece of Lord is gracious. Um,
2: my book says Hebrews 6 5.
1: Yeah, but it's it's
2: quoting
0: yeah. a psalm. Um see if my cross reference is
1: out of here. I thought I wrote it down, apparently I didn't. Uh, uh, and, it's, and we have a song, O taste and see how gracious the Lord is. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. There's an anthem, really pretty anthem mm-hmm. in English tradition. O taste and see. So, so this is very much a Eucharistic image. You know, taste, you've tasted the Lord is gracious. How have you tasted it? Well, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which you shed for you. Here. You tasted this, you've received this grace. And so. To me, it is the converting reality of God's grace to us in Christ, our encounter with Jesus, his acceptance of us. So we see all these things shine on us. This is who I am. We come, and Jesus is still there to receive us, to cleanse us. So, therefore, how now are we going to treat other people? when you really see, when we see ourselves as we ought to, it's really hard then to go out and be angry and, and, and vengeful. That's why the parable of the unforgiving servant that we have in mid-Trinity, where the guy gets forgiven 10 million talents or $10 million and goes out and beats up his fellow servant, he didn't really understand what happened there in that encounter. If we go out with that same kind of, baby, what you owe me, it shows we don't really understand what's happening if the alter. We haven't tasted it. The Lord is gracious we've tasted that we've been, and p- part of it also was we're set free from the anger because if 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 we're now declared to be children of God and God has
0: forgiven our sins We're set
1: free from captivity to anger if someone to do something to us. Why are we angry sometimes there's residual anger I have to think about that for a minute and the other thing about that, about the behavior, is, is that if we retain that that, that kind of anger or, or envy or any when allow any external thing we look at to cause us to speak or act or think unrighteously, we're letting that thing determine how we behave.
3: Yeah.
1: And so the freedom is to live in Christ and and to that's how we be watchful to you know so we see oh, I like that and just contentment. Thank you, Lord, for you've given me. i to speak this whole tongue. Those kind of things We to grow in that because because we realize what we have in Christ and realize that those, that other way won't give us anything that we want or Okay. <clears throat> I I revised the reading list. I said uh, that next week for two and three, so I I think we'll finish two next time. We might be back on track. Are
2: we going to write down who we are? Good job. Two, two. Good job. No, no, two, four. Oh, two, four.
1: Two, four.
2: Okay. You write down. I don't
1: know if (laughs) it's All
3: right. You got it. All
1: right. Let us pray. Lord bless us and keep us. We want to make His face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. The Lord lift up His, count- his countenance upon us and give us peace this day forevermore. Oh, Amen. Man.
2: However, I will. Thanks for all being with us, Connie, <laughs> Jim, Phyllis, Adriana,
1: Nancy, okay, you. Dee.
2: Sarah, I got it now because I won't be here. I anymore. love it that it's in, in your office. It's so nice to be able to hear.
1: Yeah for me to, I notice outside, so you really have to, use, use, there's a lot of energy that goes through speaking loud enough to everyone to hear you,
2: and I realize when I'm
1: done, I'm much more exhausted. <laughs>
2: <tough.
3: laughs> <laughs> All right.
2: And I
0: have time and then so-